And now, the starting lineup for Inside Slam. At guard, number 11 from the University of Iowa, standing 4 feet 26 inches, it's the man with the smoothest voice in the commentary box, Mr. Magic, Steve Confino. And at small forward, number 6, standing well, sometimes because he prefers to sit. Mr. Stats himself, Evan Goldback. This is Inside Slam. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Inside Slam. This is Evan Goldback coming to you from self-isolation again here in Sydney, Australia. We are almost uh, midway through May. Um, should be coming up to the playoffs in the NBA, but... Unfortunately, the world is still at home. Uh, Steve Carfino, I can see on his camera, he's... Are you walking around, Steve? Are you sitting? Are you, are you, are you comfortable? What's going on? I'm getting comfortable. I'm moving my um, I'm moving my camera around so it doesn't come up from underneath and you get to see all my chins. So I'm ah, right. checking, yeah. checking out the angle. You sound like an Instagram model. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on Instagram, though, what I really want to do is I really want to start something new. You know, like you're, you're sitting at home in isolation. You're thinking about all the different things, you, all the ideas that you have and what you want to do. Yeah. I would love to look at people's Instagrams and then I would like to say what they really what they're really saying instead of like, oh, you know, they're in a bikini and they're like, oh, bring on the summer. I want to say, you know. Um, I, I want to share this because I'd like to increase my likes and my boobs look good in this outfit. That's what I'd like to say. I, that's, you know what, there, sh there should be an app that automatically translates to the BS that they write on their Instagram <laughs> so we actually know what they're saying because we all know what they're saying. You see, like you see some weird stuff, like you see, you know, someone's lying on a beach and they write, eat, pray, love. And I'm like, anything I'm praying to is that the fact I really want to be on the beach next to you right now. That's about it. I'm going to stop eating so I can actually look like that. And then I can love you. So, I mean, that's, is that what she's saying? I'm not really sure what's going on. Yeah, I know. And you know what? I, I, I want to say, look, get your life together first before you start putting all these inspirational quotes up. How about you live it first instead of putting it on social media? I think it's corny quotes. Uh, it should be cornyquotes.com. I think they all go to the one website and they just kind of re keep reusing them. Yeah. I'm like, man, you, I saw another person who used this two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, but at least we're in self-isolation. So at least we've got the last dance. Uh, thank goodness for that because that's my weekly highlight. Um, the other weekly highlight is, is obviously playing golf with you. Um, and, and seeing the shots that you've been hitting, I can see you got your Titleist cap on now. You're not taking you're not taking it off today after that birdie, are you? Oh no, I don't get birdies very often, so I'm glad you brought it up. You know, it was my best drive of the day, toughest hole on the course. You know, and I had to had to hit a, a rescue right into the wind. Somehow, the club decided to stay low, and it ran on. And then I had like about an eight footer for birdie, knocked it in. And the crowd. That's what, that's what keeps you coming back. In front of the big crowd as well that we had. Yeah, the, when you put the score in on your little GPS in the cart, it does give you a little cheer. That's it. Yes. <laughs> no, it, was, it was good to see. It's good to see. Um, the last dance, obviously, it's, uh, I'm, I'm really enjoying how every episode is so different. And this episode, they delve into the 92 Dream Team uh, and they touch on, obviously, 
you know, the fact Isaiah Thomas wasn't in the team. They talk, uh, and obviously they bring it back with uh, Tony Kukoc, uh, them playing against him when he played for Croatia. And, the, I mean, there was a couple of things I knew. I obviously knew that Isaiah Thomas uh, wasn't included in the squad. And, you know, Magic Johnson, I think, touched on a really good point saying, um, sorry, I think Michael, sorry, Michael said, listen, you, you got Magic at number one and you got Isaiah Thomas right behind him. I hate the guy, but he's probably the second best point guard ever. But then you also have Magic Johnson and John, uh, Magic Johnson and John Stockton on the team. So it's not like they had, you know, scrubs as their point guards. And as Jordan said, it was all about camaraderie. So, so Isaiah Thomas is annoying me. He's annoying me. Um, the more I see him, the more he annoys me. And, you know, you and I discussed this, you know, off camera. Um, Bill Lambeer doesn't apologize for who he is. He was an arsehole in the 80s. He was a dirty player. He says he was a dirty player. He doesn't apologize for being a dirty player. And he owns who he is. Isaiah Thomas is trying to rewrite history. Like, dude, you you were, you guys were the Pistons. You guys were the Basketball Pistons. You were dirty. Just own it. Stop trying to make your shit smell better than everybody else 30 years later. And it's just, I think uh, I think he thinks people are silly and can't see through his BS. I, for one, can see straight through it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that, that um, this documentary gave him an opportunity to say, and we have all made mistakes. We've all you know, uh, handle things poorly. And, and when people will ask somebody who's being true to themselves, you know, what do you think of this situation that you, well, you probably felt like you handled it poorly that then you have an opportunity to say, look, you know, we got, I got caught up in the bad boy image. Um, you know, there was no way we were going to shake their hands. You know, that's not what our team was about back then, but looking back on it, yeah, it was handled poorly. You know, I, um, it was unsportsmanlike. You know, like it's, it's followed me around, you know, as an adult, how poorly I handled that situation. You know, he shook my hand when we won. I didn't shake his hand uh, when they won. You know, we didn't give them their just due. And yeah, I handled it poorly. If I had to do it over again, um, you know, I would have done it differently. He had an opportunity to do that. Not yeah. only did he not do it, you know, he also is saying that he deserved to be in the dream team, you know, my stats um, back up the fact that I should have been on that team. Well, you know, team sport isn't always about stats. That's for sure. And I thought Michael Jordan summed it up. And can you believe the hatred he still has for that man? man. Still, you know, man. He's, it's coming out of his pores. He's in his mid fifties and his face changes. And he talks with such venom about Isaiah Thomas. And he is not backing down. And that's what has been, we point out all the great things about this documentary. And it just shows the intensity that these guys still have about things that they were passionate about when they were in their 20s and 30s. I think the whoever's asking Jordan the questions is doing a really good job in terms of getting some great answers out of Jordan and just really giving some incredible insights in terms of how his brain works. Um, do you think... Isaiah Thomas should have been on the dream team. Oh, absolutely not, absolutely not. And he was, he was my favorite player until that incident, you know. And then the more I hear about it, the less um, respect I have for him. Like this is a guy that I played against. You know, I had nothing against the guy. He was a great player. He played at Indiana when I was at Iowa. He's a year ahead of me in school. Hmm. Um, you know, he had nice words out on the court. 
you know, showed me a lot of respect as a, as an opponent. Um, I enjoyed playing, you know, being able to say that I played against such a great player. Um, but, you know, I really have a lot of, um, a lot of time and a lot of respect for players that play the game right and um, compete. But at the end of the game, you know, they shake hands and, and, you know, have respect for one another. And I thought that was a very disrespectful move. And, and the more I hear about it and the more I see him deny it, um, the more I dislike him. Yeah. I, I'm with you on that. Um, I think Jordan summed up the whole dream team thing really well where, this is a team that was obviously, it's the first time professional basketball was played at the Olympics. 92, Jordan is at the peak of his powers, but it's also the first time American basketball was on a global stage. So if, you, you know, if you're Rod Thorne, director of operations, or Chuck Daly, who's the, who's the coach, you want a team that's you know, in good spirits, jovial, camaraderie, all that sort of stuff. And Jordan said, listen, he would have changed the camaraderie on the team. Pippen didn't like him. I didn't like him. Magic didn't like him. Larry didn't like him. I mean, it would have changed the team. And when you look at that team, I think that team was perfect for that time. I know they took a college kid in Christian Leitner. I probably would have taken somebody else, but I would have loved to be a fly on the wall for that practice. Barkley and Magic going up against Jordan and Magic gets in Jordan's ear. Can you imagine the intensity in that workout? Like, just, it's the who's who of Hall of Famers on one floor going at it. And just to hear Chuck Daly and Rod and these guys who were there say, I've seen a lot of basketball in my time and magic to say this is the best basketball that he played. Like, this is, these are huge statements. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, I mean, just to hear them talk about it, I'm just in awe. You know, <laughs> I, I'm in awe by the things that are coming out of this documentary. And, I've, and I'm surprised at how many things that I haven't seen because I every time there's a documentary on the Bulls or anytime there's a book on the Bulls or Phil Jackson or Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan um, the rise of uh, cable TV with ESPN um, the you know the Big East conference all, all of these things I'm watching it you know and I'm talking about it with my friends so to see this many things come up that I haven't seen before is amazing yeah. Because it's it's like saying you're a Harry Potter fan, you've read all the books, and then there's a documentary on Harry Potter, and then you find out all these things that you have never heard before. It's yeah. fascinating, you know? It, it really is. I, I, I really look forward to every single one of these documentaries. And, you know, um, I've watched them over and over again. You know, like when it's when I've watched the – I'm up to date on them, and, and I'm waiting for a week for, or, you know, five days for the next document. I'm just like, oh, I might watch that one again because, you know, my partner was talking to me while, you know, this interview was on, you know, and I, I didn't want to, you know, give her the, hey, don't talk to me, you know. <laughs> I had to really rewatch him. And every time I rewatch him, I find even more, you know, so, you know, it's been great. You know what I find hilarious? That Clyde Drexler looks like he was 50 when he was 25. Yeah. <laughs> that guy has always looked old. Yeah. I'm watching the 90, that 92-93 series against um, the Bulls when Jordan basically, you know, tore him up and he created his own motivation when, you know, before the game, oh, Jordan and Drexler have come in. Uh, you have Marv out. Well, Jordan and Clyde Drexler have the same stats for the whole season and Jordan's like, this is a little bit different. We're in the playoffs now. 
But man, Clyde Drexler, that guy looked old. He was he, he's always been old. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, I, I look like I'm, I looks like I'm looking at Tiger Woods right now, like ten like ten years ago. You got the red shirt on, like, am I is this Tiger or is this Steve? I can't, but man, Clyde, he just looked old, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I remember him in college when he was at Houston. He was on that five slam and jam, five slam and jam team. Yeah, with Hakeem and him, and they had two other guys that three other guys that went first round into the NBA draft. So they had a team that was absolutely loaded. Yeah. Um, but Clyde Drexler did this dunk on Andre Turner in Memphis State in the um, at the um, the regionals, uh, Kansas City, Missouri. It was at the regionals in Kansas City. Yeah. It was just unbelievable. It was like one of those dunks where he went up and then they got his like knee in the guy's chest and then oh. just went up and up and it was amazing. Um, but he was people just forget about how good a player tried Clyde Drexler was, you know, and people are critic are critical of the, sh- of, um, of Portland for not picking Michael Jordan, but they had Clyde Drexler. They Clyde, had Clyde, Drexler. Drexler. Yeah. Clyde Drexler, the best player at that position in the NBA, you know, so why no, you don't know with hindsight, of course you do. You have Michael Jordan. And because I'm a top 50 player of all time. Oh yeah. I mean, I mentioned it in the podcast before I said that Michael Jordan with that, uh, draft they change the way that people go about their draft picks they pick the best player and then they move pieces around and they don't just go oh that's we want a center or we want a forward um, you do that later on you know top yeah. three picks you're looking at the best player and then you can trade him or whatever it may be but Clyde was a he was a great swing man but but what I loved about the documentary was how Michael Jordan would just make up ways to hate someone so he could destroy him, you know, because Clyde Drexler didn't say anything. He didn't say anything to him to ignite, you know, a hatred of, you know, I'm going to destroy him. It was just one thing, you know, like people were making comparisons because that's what you do in television. Watch this game. It's going to be interesting. Look at this fact. Clyde Drexler, you may not know this, but Clyde Drexler has the same stats as Michael Jordan coming into it. You know, the last two weeks of the regular season, he was the hottest player in the NBA. The guys are just doing their job. Yeah. Michael Jordan takes it as, you know what? When they started comparing him to me, that pissed me off. You know, and then he's away. I'm going to destroy him. You could see it in his eyes. He's like, I was offended. Like, literally, like, you can see the the truth when he speaks it. He's like, yeah, I was really offended. Like, that killer mindset is unbelievable. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, and that's it. You know, I mean, to see that in his, you know, he's I think he's a year younger than me or the same age. You know, he's in his mid fifties at least. Yeah. So, um, to see that passion and that, I won't say he didn't. Ha- he has a hatred for Isaiah Thomas. He doesn't have a hatred for for Clyde Drexler. He re- he respects him, um, but he was offended in his mid fifties still that they compared him at any point to himself when he was at his peak. I know. I know. Um, one thing I really liked, and I would have liked him to touch on a little bit more of uh, his play in the NBA, because they talked about more of him and, um, and his relationship with the Dream Team, is Tony Kukoc. Mm. Now, Tony Kukoc, and I didn't know this, I didn't know that Jerry Krause was a big fan of him and had gone to Europe and, and was negotiating his contract before Scotty Pippen. I did not know that. 
So now I always knew that Michael and Scotty wanted to, they knew that um, Kutuk was coming to the Bulls and they wanted to close him down, but I didn't know the Jerry Krause side of it. So now that makes a lot more sense. But I mean, obviously it's a, he um, he was closed down by, by Jordan and Pippen in that first game. But yeah, he scored 16 points in the gold medal game. He, he showed some real heart. And I think I think that that's what got him the respect um, of those Bulls players. Yeah. I mean, he wouldn't be the first player that he took took it personal and went to shut him down. You know, I've heard lots of stories. You know, I think it was uh, LeVar Le, something Smith. He played at Louisville and he was a guard that played in the NBA and he had a good half against, I think he had a good game. He had like 30 points against the Bulls and um, the local media was saying, you know, how good a player he was and, he did this against Jordan. Jordan read about it, and the next thing goes, "Oh, next time we play against these guys, I think he held them like two or four points." <laughs> um, and so, you know, it's not the you know. And I heard that um, uh, Reggie Theus actually went out with Michael Jordan's wife before Michael met her. And so every time he played against Reggie Theus, just he had a personal vendetta against him, shut him down, tried to humiliate him every time he got the ball. Um, uh, Dwayne McLean told me a story about a guy named Harold Pressey who played at Villanova with Dwayne McLean. And so um, Harold Pressey was trying to make the Bulls and he was, you know, over there tying his shoes up and Michael Jordan looked at his shoes and he had Reeboks on. And he said, he goes, uh, he, he threw a pair of, you know, Air Jordans at him. He's like, you might want to put these on, you know, those aren't going to work. And so Harold Pressey saw it as an opportunity not to back down and said, you know, no, I'm good, man. You know, thank you, though, like that. And then um, Michael Jordan took it upon himself to just totally shut down and humiliate Harold Pressey in this trial. Harold Pressey never made the team. Oh, and wow. then and then when once Michael Jordan shut him down, then he said, all right, Scotty, he wants to wear those Reeboks. Now it's your turn. So Scotty shut him down and he never made it to another practice. So you know, Tony Kukoc is just in a long line of people that Michael Jordan, that's how he does it. You know, he works out something that helps him despise his opponent and he destroys them. Well, to, let's just on, on Kukoc, in that fight, we're, we're talking about the last dance, the 97, 98 season. He's, for me, he's the third most important guy on the team. For me, he's more important than Dennis Rodman. I think he's more important than Longley and Kerr. I think he's more important than Ron Harper. He was that spark off the bench. He was scoring, you know, 14, 15 points a game. He was the first kind of stretch four shooting three-point guy, you know, before Dirk. Like he, he, he kind of helped change the game and also changed the narrative on, um, you know, on European players. Obviously, there was a couple that were in the league, but, you know, this is the guy that could shoot. He was tough. He'd gone up against the best. He was on the best team. Yeah, I think Kukoc deserves a lot more credit than uh, what people what give what people give him. Yeah, I mean, when you're playing along Michael Jordan, alongside Michael Jordan, they, you know that's going to happen. You're going to get overshadowed. Yeah, um, you can kind of get pigeonholed into a role. Um, and you know, when Tony Kukoc didn't play for the the Bulls, after, you know, later on in his career, you know, he never really, you know, excelled as like a go-to player. Um, you know, because it's it's difficult to you know, to really be pinned into a role. And then all of a sudden, you know, as your career's, you know, on the downward slope, 
you know, blossom into, you know, the, the franchise player that people thought that, that you would be, mm-hmm. you know, I think Horace Grant, you know, probably felt like that too. And he wanted to go. Uh, Scotty Pippen was frustrated, you know, when um, Phil Jackson didn't design the last play for him. He refused to go back into the game. We're going to see that in some upcoming documentaries, you know, in this series. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Kukoc ends up hitting the game winner. You know, so there there are lots of people that have gotten overshadowed along the way. Yeah. Uh, in that big, giant shadow that Michael Jordan cast. Talking about a big shadow, I do not – obviously, I, I envy the money. And the, and the lifestyle that he has now and obviously all that sort of, you know, having your own label, the Jordan brand, all that sort of stuff. But I don't think I envy being Michael Jordan. I'm really seeing a lot of that. Like, this is a guy that could go to a, a golf course and his hotel room and his house to be himself. Other than that, he's got to be switched on. He's got to be like Mike. He's got to be that global icon, that that smiling charming persona because his fans they're in the lobby like the players these days i think these days the media is a little bit more respectful of and the players have a lot more rights these days and it, it was like the beatles i don't know how how, did, how these guys handled the pressure and won three back to three titles is beyond me because man that would have got to anyone yeah i think i don't yeah i think the media is you know used to it and they've seen it but you know, he's the first of his kind. He's he's the rock star. I mean, no one can predict that. He's a he's a country black kid from North Carolina. Couldn't wait to get out of North Carolina because of the racism and, um, you know, wanted to be somewhere else, you know. So he's doing that extra practicing and, and playing against his brother, who's a hell of a player himself, but he's only five foot ten, yeah. five foot eleven, and Michael Jordan ends up being six six. Um, but you know, it's it's perfect timing for, you know, the Converse had all the best players, but yet oh, this small upstart company, Converse. He, didn't, he didn't even want to go to the interview. His mom made him go to the interview and he ends up, you know, they go for this third pick in the NBA draft. He's an exciting player. They they roll the dice and it and it changes sports and. It changes global. It changes world history. Like that's a sliding door moment. Yeah. Where, where like, where is Converse now? Like they're a skate brand. Like yeah. they had, they had Magic. They had Bernard King. They had Larry Bird. I mean, that was. And you, you, you probably remember this. You know, you were playing during that time. Converse was massive, and then Nike just went bang. And I mean, I by the time I was growing up, Jordans and Nike were that was the most easily the most popular brand. But it's yeah. it's amazing to see the um, you know the infancy the infancy of the brand the decisions that were made and it's, it's it's a fairy tale for them unbelievable oh yeah I mean and then it becomes like pop culture you wear Nike you wear Jordans you're not even a basketball player you're wearing them on a skateboard you're wearing them if you're a rapper you're wearing you know it's street culture you know just like um, golf equipment you know was you know I'm sitting here I'm wearing a Nike Nike shirt and Nike pants and you know golf wasn't even into the fashion you know before Michael Jordan I mean it's before uh, Tiger Woods you know before Tiger Woods you know Tiger changed how he didn't just change golf he changed he changed things globally too you know and golf has a lot more than just Air Jordans Air Jordan had maybe a shirt and some shorts and some socks and the shoes 
Well, Nike get behind Tiger Woods and they get the next sports icon after Michael Jordan, you know? So it's golf clubs, golf bag, golf hat, golf balls, golf clubs, you know, golf has a lot more accessories. So, you know, he changes the world as well. Yeah. You know, so, you know it, I was interested in, you know, like you said, he could play on a golf course and he could go to his hotel room. Um, and then he said something that was very interesting. He said, if I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't want to be a sports model. I mean, that was interesting. That was a role model. Yeah. And that is, you know, and I can completely get that because he is a prisoner in his own fame. And it was fun at first. It was fun. He's this young kid, enthusiastic, you know, fast cars, dressing nice, you know, the parties, the cigars, and then, you know, but no one's perfect. And so, you know, what happens when you become that big? I mean, he's Elvis big. Oh, yeah. Beatles big. You know, he's globally, he can't walk anywhere in this world without drawing a crowd like a circus. Yeah. You know, so then, you know, all of a sudden people are like, I'm tired of hearing these wonderful stories about Michael Jordan. Let's dig deep. And if you dig deep on you, on me, on anybody, you're going to find something. You know, I'm not saying that. I, I don't know. I don't know what you mean. I'm, 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 I'm clean as a whistle. What are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's, it's <laughs> like, I'm not saying that he's, you know, that he's perfect or, you know, he hasn't made some big mistakes. He hasn't done some stupid things, you know, that he has been the greatest husband. You know, I'm not saying any of that, any of those things, but I really, I would hate for anyone to judge anyone too harshly that has been thrust into that oh. involuntarily, of course. Yeah. You know, it wasn't his, he didn't set out to be no. uh, a role model. Of, he just wanted to play his game. He said he wanted to, he said, I'm, I want to be the best basketballer, period. You know, yeah. if that's, so, what, if that's what people want to be and they want to copy me, fine. But I'm not, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that you should be like me in other ways. You know, and then he's judged on not taking a political view, you know, like here's this kid. Well, he's not, no, he's not a kid at that point in time, but you know, he's judged for not endorsing the black candidate in in an election. So he doesn't want to take a political side. He makes a little funny remark like, oh, you know, Republicans buy my shoes too, you know? Yeah. That doesn't mean he's greedy. It doesn't, he said, I don't know anything about politics and I don't want to be a hypocrite and say, act like I do. I know basketball. I just want to play basketball. And he's criticized for that. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. not fair. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree on that. And I think there's one moment, I don't know if you remember it, that really captures kind of the burden of Jordan. He's sitting down and he's shooting an ad and he's doing take after take after take. Mm-hmm. And you can just see the camera on him and he's like, and he has to do the take again. I'm like, yeah, and that was his life every day. Cameras, agents, managers. Oh, Michael, we need you for this. Michael, we need you for that. Michael, we need. And you're like, sure, sure, yeah, yeah, no problem. Like, man, I, I, tell, I, man, I would have lost it. I would have been like, front page, goldback explodes at media, goldback explodes on the golf course, goldback like just oh, there'd be it'd be an eruption every week. I don't know how. I don't know how he kept it together. You know, and it's sad, really, you know, like I read an article about Michael Jordan, you know, when he was at the height of his popularity. I mean, he's still at the height of his popularity. People still go bananas anytime he goes anywhere. But when he was at the height of his playing career and they asked him, they did like a 
it was like a pictorial, you know, it's him with his kids, him at home, him playing pinball, him, you know, playing with the bulls, uh, him out to dinner with his kids. Well, maybe not out to dinner, but anyway, they asked him what his perfect day would be. And he said, I'd like to get up, have pancakes at McDonald's. I mean, I like pancakes, but McDonald's don't have the best pancakes. Yeah. They're nice though, the syrup and the butter. Oh yeah, oh, oh yeah, I would, you know, I miss, I miss pancakes. But he wanted to have pancakes at McDonald's, then go to an amusement park, spend all day with his family, and then go to a pizza parlor afterwards with his family and then head home. That was his perf perfect day. All things that you and I and every other person in the world can do. And that was his ideal perfect day, but he can't do it. Wow, crazy, huh? He, from the time that he became Michael Jordan, you know, and, and was playing for the Chicago Bulls and made Chicago, put Chicago on the map, um, basketball-wise, worldwide, really, yeah. with his playing style and his Air, Air Jordans and all that type of stuff. Once from then, for the rest of his life, he won't be able to do what you and I want to do, but that we can do or we are able to do yeah. every single day. I'm with you. He'll never, he can never do it. No. Yeah. no. That's just the amazing thing about this documentary, kind of giving us that insight into just how big it actually was. Um, I know we're going to finish up pretty soon, and obviously we've got our, uh, obviously next week's episode's only a few days away, which is awesome, and we'll get back into it next week. I'm, look, I'm looking forward to, I think, the fight with Steve Kerr and a few other things. But one of the uh, things I want to do is kind of go through all the NBA teams and. And they always talk about the Mount Rushmore basketball. And they usually talk about it as in like the best players of all time. So I thought it'd be fun for us to go through every single NBA team and starting in alphabetical order. Uh, we've got the Atlanta Hawks. So, Steve, you go, uh, I'll let you go first with your Mount Rushmore. Hopefully, mine's not exactly the same. Or do you want, or do you want to go one for one? I'll go one for one. All right, let's go one for one. Atlanta Hawks. Mount Rushmore, um, if you're listening or watching, we'd love to hear your thoughts as well. Yeah. Okay, well, you know, he's a surprise packet, and I normally don't go too big when we do things like this. I usually take the older guys. But I'm going to make an exception to this rule. I'm going to go with Trey Young. What? I'm going with Trey Young. He, you know, you do realize he's a uh, second-year player. Yeah, I know. He's special, man. He is special. You know, I bet, okay. I bet I bet if they were a podcast, you know, if anybody asked, you know, who's going to be the best bull of all time and somebody said Michael Jordan after half a season, we'd be like, what? Do you realize that he's only played half a season? I I'm not comparing him to Michael Jordan, but I am saying this kid is special. I should be a Stephen A. I'll be like, what? What? He's going crazy at you. But, you know, listen, Trey Young. All right, Trey Young for you. All right. He's my number. He's I'm I'm going by position, like one guard, two guard, three no, guard. You've only got four people. Mount Mount Rushmore is four people. That's it. The basketball team's got five though. That's all right. It's, you got to pick four people. Mount Rushmore, man. This, okay, you got to follow. You got to follow my rules. Take him off there. Take, that's you. You just said all right. Okay. All right. You just clarified. So take him off. Okay. Lou Hudson. Okay. Great shooting guard, sweet Lou Hudson. 
11, 11 years in Atlanta, 22 points, 4.9 rebounds a game, six-time All-Star. Yeah. Very good. Boom. Okay. You all go. right. I'm going uh, – all right. I'm going Bob Pettit. Yeah, okay. Bob Pettit, 11 seasons. Uh, average 26 and 16 over 800 games. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and obviously one of the all-time greats. What do you got? Um, I had him on there too, but you have him on there. Okay. I'll let you have a big white guy. You can have him. You know, that's why. Like Buddy Holly. It's like why. Buddy Holly, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go with John Drew. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. He's a crackhead now. I I, I think he's probably dead, but uh, <laughs> yeah, he, you know, he got caught up on the pipe, but he was a great player. Okay. I like yeah. it. I like it. Um, John Drew, right? Okay. Oh, look, look, we we both obviously got Dominique on the list. Yeah. So I think we got Dominique. We've got Pettit. Yeah. We're we're gonna go both. We all, all both of us are all gonna go Pete Maravich. Yep. Okay, so we're both agreeing on on three: Pete Maravich, Dominique Wilkins, and. Pettit, okay. So mm-hmm. you, the one we disagree on is that you're going with John Drew. No, I'd rather go with Lou Hudson if I'm going to put that fourth person on okay, there. So you're going to go Lou Hudson. Yeah. I'm going to go. Christian Leitner. No, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Joe Johnson. Oh. Okay. I'm going to go Joe Johnson. Oh, for me, I wanted. I, it was Joe Johnson. It was Al Horford. It was, I mean, I had Kyle Corbett way up there as well for the Hawks, but I'm going to go oh. Joe Johnson, please. And at, at the top of Joe Johnson's game before he went to Brooklyn, the guy was an all star. He was, the guy could shoot, the guy could score anywhere. Um, yeah, and just such a dangerous offensive weapon. I think he was the best offensive weapon that they had since Dominic Wilkins. So I'm going to go Joe Johnson. Good player. I mean, I, if you looked at his stats, I don't think they'd compare to Lou Hudson's stats. But um, I don't know much uh, enough about Lou Hudson. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, well, Atlanta Hawks done. That's another podcast done. Thank you, Tiger Woods, for uh, for, for joining me. Uh, sorry, uh, Steve Garfina for for joining me today, um, guys. We are going to get video up on this up in, in the next uh, couple of weeks. We're just working on a couple of different video programs that we can use but um hopefully you'll be seeing our beautiful faces soon and as well as hearing our voices but thank you to everyone that has been subscribing um following us on instagram if you if you don't make sure you go to inside slam uh check us out and make sure you are subscribing on spotify as, as well as um itunes um obviously it's a tough time for everyone so we're we hope we're keeping you entertained and um hope you guys enjoying the last dance as much as we are and we look forward to seeing you next week. And Steve, I look forward to taking your money next week on the golf course. All right. 